Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Okay, right now uh, with a special guest on the podcast from Queensland, Australia, Alan Birchall. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been really good. Loving, yeah. loving New Zealand. Uh, the weather has actually been quite mild here, so uh, it's, it's almost like home. Almost, it's great. Yeah. almost. <laughs> a little bit of rain. It's pretty dry at the moment in Brisbane, but uh, but other than that, I don't mind. Yeah, it's it's been good. Now you've been over here. Uh, both enjoying TechEd and also uh, speaking at uh, at Microsoft's TechEd conference. Yeah, that's right. I, I love to attend TechEd, but I'm also a speaker. Um, you know, I tell people the only way I can guarantee with uh, to get to TechEd with my work is if I get accepted as a speaker. So I make sure I become a speaker so then I can also attend some sessions. So I've really been living on both sides of the yeah. uh, of the fence here. Well, you've been speaking at these conferences for a, for a while now. Yeah, yeah, a few years now. This is my third New Zealand Tech Ed, and uh, yeah, about four years ago, I've been started uh, in Australia speaking at Tech Ed there. So, uh, really love the uh, the New Zealand Tech Ed. It has a great feel. Uh, event um, quite quite uh, personal. Uh, it doesn't feel as yeah, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel as uh, it feels like a much uh, nicer, warmer event. People are much nicer and friendlier here, I reckon, than in, than in Australia. Not oh, we, we like to hear good things, like and I'm that. an Australian, so you know I'm not. I, I'm saying that, and I'm an Australian. I feel like I'm 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 being uh, uh, disloyal here, but no, I think it's true. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, maybe uh, maybe we'll be able to convince them to uh, bring you back again if you keep saying those sorts of things. Oh, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> now, this has actually been the, the last week or two has has been a really busy uh, you know time really as far as Microsoft is concerned. Uh, this week we had Windows Server 2012 that uh, launched globally and 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 here in New Zealand at TechEd, of course. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Windows 8. There's a whole lot, you know, going on around that every week. There's some sort of little new uh, uh, snippet that comes out, yeah. some new hardware that we're that we're hearing about, uh, and. Uh, and also Windows Phone, which I guess this has been, you know, probably one of the biggest weeks so far around Windows Phone Eight. Yeah. Uh, with the with the Nokia announcements, what what have you um, what have you what's your sort of take on uh, on what's happening around Windows Phone at the moment? Ah, uh, look, uh, I think Windows Phone and Windows Phone Eight at the moment uh, is looking really promising. Um, some of the sessions that I went to today about Windows Phone Eight is, and the speakers were quite rightly saying that it's no more excuses time now. Uh, Windows Phone 8 certainly has the capability. Uh, it has native code support. It has support for all the hardware you want, different screen resolutions, NFC, uh, micro SD card support, like removable storage, so I can store videos and music on my micro SD card. 
um, stuff like that. Um, you know, and um, with an app marketplace with a hundred thousand apps, you know, the app gap, you know. Um, sure, there's some apps in there that, that aren't in uh, Windows, uh, sorry, aren't in iOS or Android. But I think the nat- I said it before, the native code support I think will be a big, big help getting people to port their apps over. And I think if you can remove the app gap uh, problem with Windows Phone, and I think that's the only problem even with Windows Phone 7.5 at the moment that's isn't, really holding it back. Isn't the main reason that there that, that some apps don't get released on Windows Phone though that? Uh, it just doesn't have enough market share yet that so many people are using an iPhone or an Android device yep. that you know Windows Phone sort of sits down there with BlackBerry in terms of having uh, you know a, a, a pretty small percentage of the, of the market at the, at the moment rather than the necessarily you know technical limitations I think here in New Zealand and in recent weeks and months you know we've had most of the banks have, have you know ended up launching some some really great mobile apps we had national bank i think last week uh, asb who have been through a you know few iterations mm-hmm. of theirs got some uh, you know some great uh, capabilities but they haven't launched them on windows phone yeah. and the primary reason seems to be around market share rather than rather than anything else is that something you ex- you expect to change windows 8 will help that or Is there still a real uphill battle? Look, I think Windows Phone 8 will help that because at the moment the challenge is A, market share and and B, the amount of effort it would take to say if I have an iOS app and porting that to Windows Phone, I pretty much have to recode that app. So it's a lot of effort to get to a market share that is small. Now, Windows Phone 8, with native code support, uh, I'm not a developer, but I understand native code support makes it, you know, if you're writing in C++, it means your libraries. DL, uh, your library files, your C++ files, you can be ported over easy. means that if I've put the investment in, in iOS and Android and, hey, you know, there's this other market share that maybe is 4% that we can get for a little or no extra effort, then why not do that? Okay, because obviously as a developer, you want to get your program in as many hands as possible. Um, and 4%, you know, it's like, well, a lot of people have mobile phones. And so if you can get 4% more, that's great. Um does that mean that it will happen? Maybe not straight away, but certainly developers can't use the high cost of migrating their apps as the excuse now. It should be, it should be relatively straightforward. Fair enough if they go, well, it's still too small. Um, it's kind of one of those, if you build it, will they come sort of questions, that, you know, and, and really it's, it's going to be a case of, well, we just have to wait and see what happens. Certainly I think Microsoft's going to, push and encourage a lot of developers to port those apps over. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And uh, the list of Xbox Live titles that are out now, which something was released, you know, certainly got Angry Birds, Angry Birds Space on there. Hey, I'm going to... I think that... Oh, actually, no, that was for Windows Phone 8. But if you've made those apps now for Windows Windows 8... or uh, Sorry, not Windows Phone 8, but Windows 8. But if you've made those apps for Windows 8... Um, it's going to be really easy then to port, port those easy over. Step to move them across. And it's not just yeah. native code. It's like... If you wrote a Windows 8 app, you know, they're saying it's basically a UI change now to go from Windows 8 to Windows Phone 8. So you might go, I've got a small market share on the phone, but you've got a massive market share on the PC, on the computer end, right? So if, even, if it's even less work to go from Windows 8 to Windows Phone 8, right, and you're probably going to write a Windows 8 uh, modern 
aka Metro well, well, style. It certainly app. looks like most of the game, uh, most of the game makers are going across to Windows 8, right? Even yeah. though it's still an unknown sort of platform, it's still Windows, and you know, regardless, Microsoft is still going to sell, you know. Uh, Millions of millions of of licenses, no doubt. Yeah, so, well, uh, yeah, and and some of the uh, some of the ones that uh, some of the announcements around games is that there's uh, gaming engines. I think Havoc was one of them, and Unity gaming engine, which are some great gaming engines on iOS and Android. And they said basically, we're now going to have a Windows Phone version of that. So for people who are writing games, um, you know, there you go. It's almost a case of write once you know, uh, compile for the three different platforms the way you go with the one, one set of code. And have you heard much about BlackBerry 10? There seems to be there's a little <laughs> sort of buzz going on in the background around BlackBerry 10, uh, although we're not going to see it until next year, but, you know, we also don't know when Windows Phone 8 uh, handsets are going to arrive, likely in New Zealand and Australia. Um, you know, that, that could be, you know, early 2013 rather than, uh, rather than, than, than this year. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've I've kind of kept abreast of BlackBerry and what they're doing. Um, I can certainly think that a lot of what they're doing at the moment um, is is not as revolutionary uh, as certainly what Microsoft have done to to Windows Phone. Do, you, do they're you, certainly staying in the enterprise end of the market. Yeah, it seems to be government and 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 larger corporates. Yeah. Do you think, from a consumer perspective, that it's now becoming all about having that ecosystem where you've got apps, you, you know, you've got, uh, you know, games and other apps, you've got music, you've got video, uh, you know, you've got to really have that sort of whole picture. Is that is that needed to make a phone platform successful in the future? Because I think that's it, a bit harder for BlackBerry to achieve, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think it certainly is to make it popular because you, the consumer mindset at the moment is iOS and, and Android to a lesser extent, more, more a case of, oh, it's a phone, it looks like an iPhone. I think that's definitely the case with Android, but it does have the apps, so it's not a problem for them. Well, Android uh, seems to do better here in New Zealand than I think it does in Australia. We've probably got more Android users in New Zealand than we have iPhone, whereas right. I think it's the, the flip side yeah. in Australia, isn't it? Yeah, I've heard some pretty high numbers in Australia of the, the iPhone share, something like 80% in Australia, so it's really dominant, and it was on the three networks almost from day one, and so the three networks were crawling hands and feet over each other, you know, try, trying to say, please come to us and buy your, the iPhone from us. Right. So I think that the competition there really uh, made the iPhone compelling for a lot of people um, in Australia. Although, to say that, uh, you go into any any uh, phone store, uh, Telstra or Vodafone or anything, is they'll have at least four to one Android handsets to iPhones on display. Shows the range of... Android handsets there doesn't necessarily mean that's the ratio that they're selling at. Obviously no. not with that with that market share, but it, it shows the choice that consumers have. Um, but you know, heck, uh, speaking of Nokia phones, it's like I was absolutely stunned uh, a couple of week weekends ago. I had had uh, dinner with my uh, family, and my father-in-law was there, and he's like, "Got a new phone." I'm like, oh yeah, what's this going to be? Don't know what it is. And I'm looking at it, and I went, "Hang on, wait." You got a Lumia 900. Wow. And he, uh, he said, yeah. It's like, well, I wanted a new phone and it had to be a Nokia. Um, and, and that was the first time, you know, and it must happen more often than, than that, obviously. But he says, I only buy Nokia phones. 
and I wanted a new phone. And the guy said, this is a great new phone. And I went, yeah, it is a great new phone. It's 4G. It's better than my my <laughs> HTC HD7, which is only 3G. I was totally right. jealous. Yeah. And he had it. And he, I said, how do you like it? And he said, yeah, it's pretty good. I like the tiles. He's not a big app person, but it's a phone and it does what he wants. And I think it does what he wants. He wanted email on it and he understood the email. It was nice and easy, easy to use. He had no problems with it. I helped him customize his live tiles. All right, he had the stock standard live tiles, showed him that had GPS navigation. He thought that was pretty cool. Uh, set his email up and all that for him and uh, he's very happy with his phone. Oh, that's great. Well, I guess, yeah, that's the funny thing at the moment. It's always a surprise when somebody buys a Windows phone, it's still, it's you know, it really is getting that sort of small percentage of the market that it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a sort of a bit of a surprise when you yeah. see somebody, uh, you know, with one that's sort of out outside of maybe the tech field or yeah. uh, you know, etc. But uh, yeah, obviously, it's it's it has it has grown its market share. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm very curious to see what happens. With Windows 8 and how Windows 8 adoption go, what do you find most interesting around Windows 8? Sort of from a, a, a you know a personal usage perspective, as a as a you know personal tool. Obviously, uh, you know business wise and so on. You yeah. you talk a lot about all the behind the scenes things yeah. of how to make these things work. But what do you enjoy about it most? Um, look, I use Windows 8 on my machine at home. I've been using it since oh, release beta, release preview. Um, I think the thing that's most interesting about my use of Windows 8 is not actually my use of it, but my daughter's and my wife's use of it. Uh, my daughter has a hand-me-down laptop, which is now two or three years old from her, her, her grandmother. Right. And I loaded Windows 8 on it and it has cut the rope on it and it has um, Pirates Love Daisies on it and she'll play it and, and she loves it and she loves the tile interface because for her it's so easy just to scroll, click on the program she wants. I'll pin her favorite websites to the start menu. I'll customize the start menu. She'll have a pink background and she'll have lots of pretty, one of those pretty colorful backgrounds. She loves it. And I showed her once, it's like, this is how you close an app. You move the mouse cursor up to the top because it's not a touch-enabled laptop. Yeah. Right? This is just a regular laptop. I'll move the mouse cursor up to the top and you close it down like that. And she's like, yep, okay, no worries. And she's six. Right? She's six. And then uh, I also said, and the Windows key. That's the only two things you really needed to know. And um, she loves it. She uses it all the time. The other thing with my wife was um, she said the other day, it's just like, oh, I've got to put the mail app on for you. And she goes, oh, I've already got the mail app installed. And I said, yeah, yeah, but that's the Metro mail app. She goes, oh, yeah, no, I like that one. And she loved the Metro mail app, this full yep. screen app. Yep. I was going to install Windows Live Essentials or uh, what is it? Uh, Windows Essentials 20, yeah. 2012 yeah. mail app. And she goes, no, I like it. It's it's quite fine. I have no problem with it. And that got me thinking. It's like, okay, I thought the Metro apps weren't going to be that popular with consumers because they were really different. They were full screen. and then, But that she quite likes it. And and my wife's not tech savvy. Um, you know, she'll ring up saying something's broken. What do I do? And I go, okay, click here, click there. But she's really liking Windows 8. It's really easy to use. So I think that's really telling and, and, you know, other people I show in the, with my family, I show Windows 8, and they go, oh, I want that. Oh, but can I run my old apps? No problem. All your Windows 7 apps will run, not a prob. And they're like, oh, really? And it's like, yep. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I want that, I want that. And it's like, well, hang on, wait on, it's not round yet. Okay. You know, but when yep. it comes out, it's going to be really cheap to upgrade your machine. So would, would your pick be then that it's going to do well with consumers? 
I think I was on the fence for a while, but in the last couple of weeks when I've actually shown people and had them use it, uh, they've picked it up really well. So I think so, yeah. I, I, I think that I was, I, I was on the fence for a long time. I think uh, a lot of media people uh, you know, like to bag out on Microsoft and probably take a, a much more negative approach. I think it's probably because a lot of the time they, they don't understand or they haven't they, they know Apple a lot better products, Apple a lot better products, and a lot of things they say is, well, that's not quite right. But um, I think once you go into a place like a JB Hi-Fi in Australia, we've got Harvey Norman, I don't know if you have that over yeah, here. Yeah, we've got both of those here. Now. Yeah, you go yeah. into there, you see a line of machines with the Windows Start menu on it. I think that is going to be really enticing for consumers because they're going to go up to that and they're going to go, what's this? This looks colourful, it's square, the tiles look easy to use, I can see what programs I have installed. You know, I don't have to click on the start menu, the start menu is just there. I think from a consumer point of view, that actually is going to look really good and it's going to entice them. And then when a salesperson goes, and you can run all your Windows app, no problem at all, especially uh, if it's an Intel-based mm. app on a computer, which I think most of them will still be, They'll just go sold. I, okay. I really think that that's that that the end user sales experience with a Windows 8 device is going to be a really compelling one for users when they walk into a shop. I really do. Okay. Now, how about business? Business, because there's all those that's technical behind the scenes things that have you know improvements that are going on. Yep. But businesses tend to be fairly slow. Now, in New Zealand, we've got a lot more sort of smaller businesses probably than you have in Australia. Not so many yeah. of the big. You know, even our uh, our medium businesses aren't, you know, the equivalent. A medium business in Australia is probably a thousand people, and you know, here it might be, you know, fifty or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, w- what's your take on that? What is the feedback you're getting from from people you've connected with here at TechEd and and you know, out there in the business community? Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a strange one. I think there's definitely a lot of features in Windows 8 that businesses take on. There's heaps of new features around group policy. Um, that allow you to better manage your environment um, and ease, ease more easily manage your environment. I think uh, the inclusion of Hyper-V now in Windows 8 is going to be fantastic. So you can do the virtualization, virtualization. having to add anything. Yeah, to do you, it. you don't need right to purchase there. third-party software or, or you know, there's other free, free software you could use, but it's just integrated in the OS um, and works re- really well. Um, I think that's going to be compelling um i think the things that businesses gawk at is the ui and they go oh training with the users but i think microsoft strategy is and i think it's probably the only way they can do it is is if you can get the consumer space really liking windows 8 and the new ui then businesses are going to go oh well if consumers like it consumers are in fact our users they're the one and the same people um, so maybe it's not going to be so hard from a UI point of view. Once you get over that UI, like once you get over that argument of the UI is too different in training, and I don't think that's a valid argument, but let's say you rationalise. Because there is the whole new user interface that's totally different to the old Windows, but but as you say, it's not too much of a hump to get over, is it? No, well, I tell people all you need to do is Windows key is your friend. Press the Windows button. If you get lost, press the Windows button. It'll take you back to the start menu, press it again, and it'll take you back to the last app you're in, and there's a desktop button. I think what they've done is they've taken away the, the start menu, start button, but they've given you a desktop button. That's what they've done. Mm. Essentially, they've given you a desktop tire or a desktop button and they took away your start menu. So you have your start menu by default and you have a desktop button. 
So they've inverted it. And so you kind of just get people understanding that. They will pick it up. And it's like you give someone a telephone for the first time in their life. And kids, kids go, what's this? And it's like, well, you press the numbers and it makes a phone call. You understand it. Once you understand it, you don't need to read. You know, you get told once. And then it's understand. They're pretty simple concepts. Yeah, yeah. There's some extra things like, you know, you say put your mouse cursor into the corners and like that. First time a user logs on to Windows 8 now, it has a nice start wizard. It says, move your mouse cursor into the corner like this. And that's all you really need to know. Yeah, that's quite helpful. I always wondered if they would do something like that. And they didn't do it until the, the, the very, very final release version. It wasn't in any of the uh, yeah pre-release ones, was it? Yeah, I think they were really uh, testing that one out to see what the best combination or what the best... Uh, solution it would have been for that um i think they the options were probably you know you could make that really complicated process or really simple and they've gone to the really simple it's the only thing you need to know is put your mouse cursor into the corners there are other things but um i think what they're hoping is that people will just naturally discover them and that if you overload a person the first time they log on to this new environment they're just going to go ah and then freak out yeah. where if you just tell them one thing yeah they're not going to be too freaked out with the new environment, hopefully. Mm, mm, hopefully mm. that's what happens. But um, but enterprises, yeah, look, I think the big thing about enterprise is once you do get over that UI, you've got to bear, bear in mind two things. One, every app that runs in Windows 7 will run in Windows 8. Now, people are going through a migration right now from XP to Windows 7, and you certainly can't say that from Windows XP to Windows 7. You're going to have pain. So you've gone through that big step of compatibility of your applications. The step that goes from Windows 7 to Windows 8 is very small. It certainly has less hardware requirements from a memory and CPU usage um, point of view. That's true, yeah. Um, so, and your machines will start faster. And all your Windows 7 apps, your native Windows 7 apps, will still run. So a side-by-side solution is actually quite practical. Like if you start swapping out Windows 8 and start introducing Windows 8 in your environment and you continue using Windows 7, from an enterprise point of view, that's going to be very seamless. Um, and your machines are going to perform better and you're going to have natural security enhancements in there with every new version of the operating system. Um, and people who are on subscription advantage, they're obviously going to automatically get yeah, that, I mean, that mo- license. Most businesses tend to get the licenses as part of their, their subscriptions or, or software assurance agreements and, and so on, right? So e- Exactly. It becomes pretty easy for them to at least try it out on some of their systems. Yeah. I think, I think there's going to be some initial resistance, but when it comes down to the reality of it, the, the people are going to realize that rolling out Windows 8 comparing to rolling out Windows 7 from Windows XP is, is not going to be that hard. Um, does that mean people are going to jump out and do it? Don't know. Uh, does that mean people are going to just run side by side, which you know some people might want to do, other people might not want to do? Not sure. Microsoft will still get their cut of the license with subscription advantage. Certainly, I think there'll be a lot of people with their own Windows 8 devices that'll managers and bigwigs will have. Oh, I got this Windows 8 tablet. I want to connect this to the network. A bit like how people are doing that with iPads and iPhones at the right. moment. Yeah. I think we'll see a lot of that. Okay. And then that's going to be a really easy answer for them. It's not going to be hard like an iPad is. And it's like an iPad comes into the organization, you go, how do we manage this? And it's going, oh, that's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. Windows 8 computer comes into the organization, how are we going to manage it? Same way we manage Windows 7. And that's going to be really easy then. Yeah, so so I think, look, you know, you need a crystal ball. I, I don't think in reality that the issues are going to be there for Windows in enterprises and there's certainly some nice new features in Windows 8 Windows to go 
uh, install on a USB yeah, stick and so on. Yeah, heck, that's a great way to test, you know, how's my Windows 8 going to run on this machine here? And I'll stick a USB key in there and go yeah. around, plug it in mm. if it works. Hey, that's great. Maybe I'll make the leap to Windows 8. Yep. Yeah. Now, we've also had here at Ticket the, the launch of Windows Server 2012. Yeah. You caught any of that content? Are there any particular areas that have really sort of stood out for you? You know, there'll be business customers that are, you know, very keen to jump on board with some of the new features, I imagine. What would what would yeah. those those be from your perspective? Oh, Hyper-V, number one. So uh, the virtualization. Virtualization sort of again. Having uh, it all built in. Yeah, almost everyone virtualizes their servers nowadays. Having that built in and the ability to um, move, migrate servers between physical hardware without any sort of shared s- storage, I think from a small, medium business environment is going to be huge well that's particularly relevant here in new zealand of course exactly and so you've got two servers now and it's like you've got your workloads distributed on two servers that's fine when you when one of those servers starts flaking out you say oh okay well i can consolidate all my workloads onto one server repair the other machine and then balance it out again um and that'll do that. And all you need is is an Ethernet cable between the two. You don't need shared disk I/O, very expensive disk I/O subsystems and storage. I think that's going to be great. Storage spaces looks interesting too. Uh, a good way to do cost saving if you want to create large disk pools uh, in in the software layer. Uh, um, and and the storage enhancements, deduplication stuff like that. Especially yeah, some some great things there, aren't there? Yeah. Just- and- and they were talking, I went to a session uh, with Rick uh, Claus, I think, yeah, um, and he was talking about resilient file system as well. So you want highly resilient file systems. There's now REFS. Mm, mm. Uh, that one sticks out because he was doing demos there where he was corrupting a file on one disk and not the other. Right. And um, on NTFS, it would just die. On REFS, it would just go, just, yep, just kept it going repaired and just kept going. And it was handled it, yeah. Now, the other area, I don't know if you caught much of this, is uh, around Office 365 and yep. uh, Cloud, Windows, Intune, you know, those products, which are really of interest uh, here in New Zealand with there being so many uh, so many small businesses in particular. Mm-hmm. It's quite an easy sort of uh, step to make. Any uh, any particular observations in, in that space that, that you think is of interest? I think Office 365, you know, it's been out for about a year now and it's looked really interesting. I think the new Office 2013 and how it integrates now with Office 365 is really smart with Microsoft. You know, you're basically buying a copy of Office that's now literally delivered via the cloud using streaming app or virtualization or sequenced app. That's how they deliver it down. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting um, because people are going to buy, you know, you could get Office on a subscription. That's great if I have a company that grows and shrinks throughout the year. Um, And, hey, guess what? I get Exchange in the back end for free or in the same cost, you know, no extra charge. And It would seem like... Uh, and you get things like you know areas where you can save your your documents to the cloud and stuff like that. I think that small medium businesses don't have the hassles about well where is my files being saved, you know unless you're Kim dot com or someone like that. Um, you, 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 you'd be careful. He might I know, be listening he's, in here. He might be listening in. No, but I think. Uh, uh, you don't really care where those files are actually saved. You know, on a data center, certainly when you start talking about clouds and large organizations in Australia, the first question is, well, your servers are in Singapore, they're not in Australia, when are you going to get servers in Australia? But small, medium businesses, you know, the ones that are likely to say, 
I'll use Gmail for our email. It's like, well, you don't care where your files are physically being stored then, obviously. So why not consider Office 365 and not lose the richness in all your documents and have a full exchange back in sharing calendar functionality rather than just Gmail? Right. So you, you, you see uh, Microsoft is going to be in a pretty strong position there as far as you know, being competitive with Google and, 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 and Google Apps? Do you, I mean, where do you think that will go? Because, you know, for people that have wanted to have uh, email and, and you know, uh, Office-type functionality in the cloud in the past, mm-hmm. uh, before 365, that was, you know, primarily Google's domain. Where do you think that's going to hit over the next 12 months or so? Yeah, look, I think Microsoft's going to make some really big inroads there. Um, if, if not already, I think they're really... Um, I've heard people who are complete Mac shops, uh, friends of mine, they go, we only have Macs in our environment, but we're considering Office 365. We don't want to host our own exchange server, obviously, but Office 365 would be fantastic. So uh, conceptually, I think people are really liking that idea. Um, And and the cost plans now, um, I think some of the education plans uh, are actually quite cheap if not free yeah there's um, free, free offerings free. So, to, to education so i think microsoft are going to be pitching themselves at just a little bit more expensive than what google and gmail G- with gmail and, and google apps uh offers but i think they're going to say but you have full fidelity you're getting a full exchange server back in you've got sharepoint you've got full office word document access and you know office 2013 if you've used it it default saves to skydrive so, um, and you, you've got these things, I don't know what exactly it's about, but SkyDrive Pro as well, which I think is the Office 365 offering. I'm yeah, that's not such, too that certain about that. Share, that sits with SharePoint. So, yeah, uh, and, yeah, and yeah. and that integration is going to be really powerful. I think, uh, I think look, businesses that, that start up won't need a server um, uh, to do a lot of their things, yeah. certainly the basic infrastructure. And, and if you're a business, a small business, you don't want to have to worry about things like that. Mm, mm. And I think that will be a very big selling point for it. Do you have any sort of feeling in Australia how well Google have done with getting their cloud offerings uh, out into the market, moving you know moving people in that direction? Because it seems like uh, you know, Microsoft are really gaining a lot of momentum in that space, but it's, it's yeah. a little bit hard to know how much market share that Google have uh, in this country because they don't have much of you know the same sort of physical presence that Microsoft do yeah. is that different in Australia um, well Google does have a physical presence in, in Australia um, their offices are pretty close to my works offices actually so we, we know where their offices are which is really interesting but yeah they're in Sydney and but I've heard some stories um, from people in the state government and they said this publicly so it's not big secrets or anything and they said they went to Google and they said you know well What's your security strategy with your information, blah, 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 blah. And Google's response was just trust us. Where they said, but, you know, you go to Microsoft and they talk the language. They talk about the legal requirements of this is the legal requirements of, of us. And, and, they, and they talk the talk to the big businesses, you know, that they need to talk to to satisfy their legal requirements, especially of big governments and big organisations. That being said, I certainly know of uh, a lot of migrations to Gmail, but they're the type of organisations that you would kind of expect, would, which would be um, real estate agents. 
All right, I've, I've heard of some real estate agents that, that they've migrated from Exchange to Gmail. And it's like, well, you know, let's face it, real estate agents are mobile workers and, and they use Google a lot. They rely upon Google a lot for their work. And, and it's kind of like, okay. But then you ask them some questions like, well, how are you doing the security around this? And how are you doing that? And they go, oh, we've got all these hacks in place. So our on-premise Active Directory will synchronize with the cloud, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, well, you've sacrificed a few things along the way to do this migration. Fair enough. You want to do that? That's fine. That's up to you. So I've heard stories about people moving to Gmail. I've heard certainly a lot of... Larger ones too. I think uh, Fairfax have sort of, you know, signed off that they're making that, uh, they're making that move. I guess they're on older systems. Yeah. Uh, So, um, you know, they're they're moving, uh, they're moving in that, in that direction. Look, I think you're going to get a lot of stories um, of people going, this is one company that's moved to Google. Uh, you know, and other, other companies will say, well, we've moved to Office 365, or they just might not say. I certainly know of a lot of big companies considering it um, or actively pursuing it. Um, but um, you're right, it's hard to gauge. I think everyone wants to keep their cards closely guarded to, you know, of how many customers they actually have. Um, but, you know, when you consider the dominance of Office, Microsoft Office in, in the work environment and then you go, all well, the, the hoops you have to jump through to make that would then work with Gmail, where you get an integrated on-site slash off-site solution with Office 365, I mean, you can have mailboxes seamlessly migrate from on-premise to on-cloud yeah, and back again. It seems like a natural progression. Most businesses yeah. will want the path of least resistance, won't they? And now what we're seeing in terms of the maturity of the new uh, Office version and what's coming with 365, uh, it looks like a really mature and, and capable offering, doesn't it? It is, yeah. I think they had some stumbling blocks with BPOS and I think Office 365 has really certainly addressed those. Um, and they're iterating it very quickly. They're not just saying, okay, he's Office 365, we're not going to do anything for the next two years. Uh, almost on a... Th- quarterly or at least half every half a year they're, they're introducing new features or updates yeah. um with the product and which is what they have to do especially if you're a cloud-based offering mm. you know okay great uh anything else that uh, that you want want to add um First of all, uh, let us know where to find you online. Yeah, okay. So my main website's Group Policy Central. Uh, you can find that at grouppolicy.biz. Okay. All right. Uh, great, great place if you want to learn more about how to use Group Policy managing your environment. Lots of new stuff there about Windows 8, but lots of stuff there too about Windows 7 and before that. Really good tech stuff yeah. for IT administrators oh, and, absolutely. And, and, the, if, and the like. If you're an IT pro and you just want to learn a little bit more about Group Policy, you can certainly follow me on the website. Otherwise, you can get me on Twitter at at Alan Birchall, A-L-A-N, Birchall, B-U-R-C-H-I-L-L. Just uh, follow me there and, uh, yeah, happy to uh, help out anyone who has any group policy questions. Then feel, feel free to contact me and I'll see what, what I can do to help them. Oh, that's appreciated. It's always good to have a friendly uh, person across the ditch who's willing to, uh, willing to help. Absolutely. Yep. Well, well, thank you, uh, Alan, for joining us uh, here on the podcast. It's... Uh, it's been much appreciated to hear your opinions about uh, all the all the Microsoft uh, happenings that have been going down here at TechEd and uh, uh, and are happening currently. No worries, thank you. Great, thanks. Cheers.
uh, right now we're talking with uh, Paul Thorot. Uh, thanks for joining us. Finally, sorry it took so long. Hey, no, no problem at all. Now um, you've made it all the way to New Zealand for Techit. This is the fir- is this the first time you've uh, you've you've done this sort of thing with Microsoft in terms of uh, an international event. Yes, it is. Yeah, I've done some Microsoft stuff in the past. I did some roadshows for them in the U.S. Mobility stuff back in tablet PC days, you know, early Windows Mobile stuff, and I did a security roadshow for Microsoft, but no, nothing internationally. So, how did they twist your arm to take such a long <laughs> they flight? S- <laughs> they said, "How would you like to come to New Zealand?" I said, "I would like to go to New Zealand." <laughs> so it was it was pretty much that easy. Cool. Well, I hope you've had had a chance to enjoy it a little bit, uh, a little bit b- yeah. before you, before you get to go. Just Auckland, yeah. Next yeah. time, I'll I'll have to get out more. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, uh, no, it's been good. Good having you here, and you were part of the uh, the keynote uh, presentation at yep. um, you know at the opening of uh, of TechEd here. With uh, I'm nodding with, my head like they can hear me. With, 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 this is me nodding my head. Just so you know, <laughs> with with, uh, with our previous host uh, Bradley Burrows. Yep. Um, how did you How did you enjoy that being right up on stage in front of uh, New Zealand sort of uh, 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 tech elite of, of Microsoft followers? <laughs> sure. Um, I don't mind being in front of people. I am. It was a little weird being up there with Microsoft. You know, I'm usually like on the other side of the fence. So yeah, it was like yeah. The hunter becomes the hunted. You know, um, but it was okay. I mean, I, you know, we talked a lot before doing it about the content and everything. And you know, are you okay with doing this kind of thing? Are you okay with this? And the truth is, with this generation of stuff that's coming up, you know, Windows 8 and server and the next Xbox update and uh, Windows Phone and everything, Office. I mean, I love all this stuff. I feel I feel very uh, strongly about it. And I feel really good about it. So. Um, you know, we kind of went over it and I was like, yeah, I feel, I feel fine about all this stuff. This is great. So how does that compare with how you felt about some of the sort of the previous, yeah. you know, gener- generations of things? Because <laughs> you're someone who's, uh, you know, who's known for speaking his mind about, sure. uh, about products, even if they're, the, you know, the areas that, that you commentate on. Yep. Um, yeah, you're usually pretty uh, straight up and down. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, uh, like I said, it's just a lucky circumstance that this stuff is good. I mean, Windows 8 is obviously, I, I've described it as a mess, but kind of an awesome mess, you know, and it, <laughs> um, it, it is a mess. But, you know, for people like us who love technology, like, this is awesome. You know, it's just, it's so awesome that it's this crazy. Because, um, you know, they could have done Windows 7.5 or something, and everyone would have expected that, nodded their heads, okay, that's neat, you know. Um, but I, I really appreciate that they're kind of going for it this time, so... It's it's very different from uh, previous things, and I would say the the exciting stuff from the past, like the Longhorn era, which was very exciting briefly, um, that never really came to fruition. And this time, it's all happening, you know. So it's a, it's a much bigger deal in many ways. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, over the last uh, few weeks, well, I guess since about uh, um, well, since the event in Taipei that was uh, what was that June Computex? Computex, yeah, was June June July. Yep. Uh, you know we've. St- been starting to see some of the new hardware, particularly tablets, that are going to yeah. run uh, Windows 8. Right. And then, of course, sort of the shock announcement of uh, uh, of the Surface. Yeah. What? How, how are you feeling about these products and, and where they're going to land in the market? Who's going to win the market share? Right. Well, I mean, this is part of the excitement around this time. You know, every time a new version of Windows uh, comes out, people talk about how you got to have a new hardware if you have the best experience. Like, yeah, sort of, you know. But this time with all the touch stuff, obviously, it's a much bigger deal. So it's really interesting to see Microsoft taking it to the next level with Surface, which is something I never anticipated they would do. You know, Microsoft has this program called Signature where they install clean versions of Windows on OEM PCs. And uh, it's, it's hard to find. You typically, you basically just get it from Microsoft, from the Microsoft Store, which they don't have too many of, obviously. Certainly certainly not uh, in, in, anywhere else other than <laughs> None in this part of the world, yeah. yeah. Well, we just got our first one up in Boston, so they're not very common. But, 
you know, by making their own hardware, they're kind of leading the way. And obviously, it's contrary to the years-long strategy, but I think the computing landscape is changing pretty dramatically. So, again, it just kind of falls in that same category. It's, it's amazing that they're doing this. But as far as which one's going to, you mean, versus, say, Apple or Android? Well, or, I guess we've got the, you know, Microsoft versus Apple and and, yeah. and Android and, uh, you know, even the Kindle Fire in yeah. there, which, which sits in the Android camp, but a little bit sort off to of, the yeah. side. Yeah. Um, so, the, there's that so, picture. and. The, yeah, I mean, depending on how you look at it, there are three or four ecosystems, I guess. You know, Microsoft with Windows, Android, uh, pure Android, um, I- Amazon, I think we might want to call its own thing, and then obviously iOS. And I think in the general purpose computing market, as we might think of it, you know, tablets plus computers, I don't know how it's going to be split, but it's going to be split between those groups somehow. Um, you could kind of picture a 30-30-30 type split between, you know, Android slash Amazon, iOS, and uh, Microsoft, maybe. Um, and that doesn't sound too good when you're used to like 92% market share, you know, on the Microsoft <laughs> side, except that that market is so much bigger than just the PC market that even if that's all it was, Microsoft still grows. And um, I think that's at least, I think they'll at least do that well, I would imagine. It's very different from the Windows phone versus Android versus iOS picture though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously today the tablet market is dominated by the iPad and uh, everything else is pretty small. And then when you look at Smartphone market is dominated by Android, and everything else is fairly small by comparison, although obviously iOS has a big chunk of that too. Um, these are places Microsoft's not doing so well right now. So obviously uh, this generation of products, RT, Windows 8, and also Windows Phone 8, it's, this is a big, big deal and obviously an important time. Yeah, so in the last few days, last week we had the uh, Samsung announce their TVs, which is you know very similar to the Samsung Galaxy S3 in, in, in many ways, but running Windows Phone. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Nokia with the announcement of their uh, 820 and 920, which, you know, again, uh, you know, this is new hardware that's a much higher uh, specification level than what we've seen on Windows Phone before. Mm -hmm. How do you think these are going to land in the market? Well, (laughs) you know, obviously there's been some strange backlash against the Nokia stuff, but I think that all of that stuff looks solid. I'm... I'm, uh, as much as the Samsung doesn't look exciting, it's I think it's exciting hardware. And I know from previous, I have a lot of Samsung devices. I, I think that one's going to be great. I also have a Nokia, you know, Lumia 900 right now, like you do. And I know exactly what the 920 is going to be like, you know, from a form factor perspective and everything. I think the camera might put it, that one over the top, you know. I would, I would almost be more inclined for an 820 type device. I like that modularity, the ability to change the covers and everything. And, um, change it, have an SD card but it doesn't, option. Yeah, SD yeah. card, absolutely. Yeah. But it doesn't have that camera and i think that's been my big thing with phones you know i've never had it except for the iphone 4s which has a very good uh, camera most all of the phones i've had have not had good cameras uh, most phones still today don't have great cameras and hopefully that puts uh, nokia over the top we'll have see. you have you seen any real footage yet or, or shots from the nokia because i remember sitting in at ces and and you know hearing the the story uh from Stephen neal up on the stage about you know, how great this technology was in yeah. the camera in the uh, Lumia 900. Then, and actually, yeah. you know, I'll find my Galaxy S3 is is definitely my phone of choice for taking photos. It, it's, you know, it's far and away right. better than the uh, the Nokia. Um, is yep. there going to be that sort of... I hope not. You know, people gonna be- <laughs> so, I mean, Nokia has always had this great reputation for optics quality. That's true. And I've just not seen that in person, so I can only take that at its word. Yeah. But uh, obviously, this PureView, I think it's a PureView 808, is uh, kind of a fantastic mm. device in its own the right. 41 megapixel. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're not getting that, obviously, in Illumia, but you know, an 8 megapixel camera that could take fantastic photos would be okay with me. And if it comes through on what they say it's going to be, 
you know, we'll see. Of course, Apple next. This Apple could screw this all up by, you know, announcing an iPhone five with an incredible camera next week. They've done very well so far, and I don't expect them not to do something interesting there. So. Uh, this next generation, it's still up in the air. I don't know. I'd have to see the devices first. Yeah, I guess you know we had five megapixel in the uh, in the four, and then eight megapixel in the four S. Right. Uh, it, they don't even have to go up. You know, I think eight megapixels is okay for a, a phone, but so it's the I. quality. You yeah. know, it's the uh, the quality of it. And so, I, you know, the iPhone four S today is actually just in my own you know sort of uh, unscientific testing is by far the best camera I've had in my own possession. Mm. Um, a camera phone, mm. phone camera. Um, I, I, you know, I had high hopes for the 900. They they were not realized, and so I, I again have high hopes. You know, for whatever the ATIV S maybe or the 920, we'll see. And but let let's say Apple come along in a, in a week's week yeah. or so's time and announce a 10 or a 12 megapixel. Yep. Uh, although you know, when we think about it from a technical perspective, yeah. there would be. Uh, you know, potentially no uh, benefit of just increasing the megapixel number if the optics and so on don't approve. Would they have an impact on the market though? Is that going to be of something course. that people are going to buy? A, it's like a, the megahertz for you know, it's right? bigger is always better. You know, yeah. in, in consumers' eyes, I mean, it, Apple is always better in consumers' eyes too. So there's something to be said for that. I mean, I, I, Apple, if they came out with a 10 or 12 megapixel camera, would have more to talk about than just that. Obviously, they would talk about whatever the quality of the lens and. You know, whatever it was, it's going to work great in low light conditions. It's going to be perfect for HD movies. Whatever they'll, you know, how they market things. So, um, we'll see. I have a hard time imagining that my next phone is going to be an iPhone, but no, it's not going to be an iPhone. <laughs> but, but I would of course look at it. I mean, I, you know, I'd want to see it at Absolutely. least. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Now, going back to we were, you know, talking about the the new uh, Windows eight tablets and all, you know, the, the Windows RT tablets as well. Mm-hmm. How do you think things are actually going to pan out in the market with Microsoft entering right. and, and selling their own, you know, effectively a, a PC? It will be at a tablet PC, but it will be able to hook into a big screen and, and do what a, a you know an average PC does today. Uh, up against you know HP and Lenovo and uh, you know Acer and so on. How do you how do you think that's actually going to going to pan out? This is kind of it's kind of hard to explain, but um, just to beat to death the the analogy that Steve Jobs previously used the car and truck thing. You know, if you imagine that the world of PCs is basically this world where they're just trucks. You know, it makes plenty of sense when there's only trucks, but then a little car comes along and zips between the big trucks and you know gets to you there faster and is simpler and all that. Um, it's a different thing. It's a different world. You know, so these simpler devices are, are sort of going to compete against traditional PCs, big box PCs, sort of. You know. Um, but in the same way that a lot of people who use a PC, which is a fairly complex device, to do really simple things like browse the web, post to Facebook, Email. look at their pictures, can use an iPad. You know, some people can use a phone or some people can use a seven inch tablet or whatever it is. I mean, there's going to be these different levels and they're not directly applicable or directly uh, comparable, but they in some ways are competing for the same dollars. You know, uh, people will have multiple devices too, of course, and uh, there'll be different things like that. So I think the world of the computing future, the, the computing world of the future, I guess, is going to be more diverse range of devices. I think it's going to be fewer of those big box PCs, which I actually still tend to prefer for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, I saw an article, I don't remember who wrote it, and I apologize, whoever this was, but somebody wrote an article with the... the the headline was basically tablets are going to beat laptops by becoming laptops, you know, and that this generation of tablets that are coming are going to clip on to a keyboard base and become laptops, kind of a hybrid device genius, you know, um, best of both worlds. And so when you don't need that keyboard, 
whether it's a flip around screen or just something you unclip, you have a tablet. And I think that's going to be enough for a lot of people. So, um, well, it seems like a, a lot of people use their iPad in that way today. Like, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The people yeah, but, got to that point of like, oh, the iPad doesn't do what I want, so I have right. to clip it into something. But it's still limited to, to the functionality that, that, uh, that the iPad the, operating the system The keyboard delivers. on an iPad seems like an afterthought to me. And it's not full featured. You know, you can't do uh, keyboard based task switching or things like that. So, obviously, in a Windows device, whether it's RT or Windows 8, you, it, you know, it's always had a keyboard. So, it's a very different story. Isn't it's it? A, it is a different story. And I think that's an advantage, you know, uh, not to mention full versions of Office and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we'll see. But that, you know, that's sort of how I perceive it. And, and any pick from what you're seeing and hearing from people in terms of the devices that, you know, businesses or or or, or consumers are, are likely to buy it. Is the yeah. is the Surface going to be the device that everyone wants because it's the the maybe the coolest looking thing? Yeah. Or are they going to go for the other brands? Is there is there some sort of premium associated with the Microsoft brand and in the same way that there is with Apple? Yeah. Is there none at all? Do they actually sit behind the other brands? What do you think? I think that the it's hard to say because it's never happened before, you yeah. know, but I, I think the Surface is sort of like a reference design. It, it's a point of inspiration, you know. Uh, in the same way that most people who are Apple fans could look at that new MacBook Pro with the Retina display and say, wow, I'd really like to have one of those things. Uh, this thing costs like $3,000. You know, I can't afford one of those things. So I'm going to buy like a MacBook Air instead or whatever. Um, and it's not that the Microsoft one is expensive. I don't, well, we don't know what it's going to cost, but no. we know it's not going to be like that. But I think there'll be just be a range of devices. And I think that it will be sort of an aspirational thing in that, uh, obviously they're partners they're The PC makers will look at what Microsoft did and maybe draw inspiration from it. And people will look at that and get excited about PCs again. And even if they don't end up with a surface, they'll get something that will be some hybrid device. Well, they'll go in and say, I saw this thing on TV. I'd like to get some, that or something like it. What else do you have? And then they'll see that whole range of, devices that will be out by say October, November, whatever. And oh, oh, that's cool. I want that one instead. You know, they'll see something they hadn't seen before. So yeah. it will be a part of it. I mean, I don't know. Well, There's I guess, no way to know how it's going to Yeah, sell. one of the things that Microsoft talks about is the sort of variety available within their ecosystem and the yeah, the surface is yeah. going to have this functionality and that functionality, but other people are going to come out with all sorts of other yeah. and don't forget that other the, options. For this holiday selling season, Microsoft's only going to be selling the RT version of that tablet. Uh, a lot of people are not going to want the RT version. They're going to want Windows 8. They want the full desktop and so forth. So they might go in and say, well, I want something like this, but I want it to be Windows 8. What are the choices? And there'll be a lot of them. Yeah. It won't be, won't, yeah. Be from, won't be from Microsoft because they'll only have the Because they just option. don't. Yeah. yeah. We don't yeah. know if they did that on purpose to help their <laughs> partners. I, mean, I have no idea. But Yeah. That, that, okay. That's, that's, that's interesting. And if Microsoft does well... Let's say they win 50% of the, the tablet market. Yeah. And we don't even know if they're going to sell them outside of the US yet, do we? There's not nothing right. concrete right, about right, that. Right. But if, if they did, can you, can you picture a day when Microsoft isn't selling everything through right. other hardware partners yeah. like what they do today? I mean, if we remember back... Well, quite quite a few years, sort of fifteen or, or so. There was a time when Apple was selling through some other partners. Yep. The best gear was from them, but there were other people selling other, you know, other products with mm. Mac OS uh, on it uh, pre OS X days, uh, and then they they sort of they they killed all that off. Uh, I don't see that happening. I mean, I guess my two thoughts to that would be one: if that happens, this means the whole thing imploded for one thing, um, but. The other one is, you know, we talked about earlier about this diversity idea, and I think that is a really a key part of the whole ecosystem. And 
Um, if Microsoft was it, I mean, no matter how many computers they made, they could never have the kind of rich diversity that we have now in the PC space. The other thing is it's Microsoft is not just Windows. I mean, Windows is not even Microsoft's biggest business right now. So uh, their partnering model extends through many of their product lines, not all of them, obviously, but many of them. Um, and I just don't see that happening. I mean, even something like the Xbox where they make the hardware, they have partners that make you know devices and peripherals and add-on services and applications and games and all that stuff. And there's, there's always like this kind of partner story around what they do. Not always, almost always. Um, yeah, there's a, I mean, we, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When you look at the Xbox compared to, say, Apple TV and other platforms, there, yeah. are, there are, you know, competing video and music offerings and right. just about, you know, You almost get the feeling like game. Apple puts Netflix on there because they have to. It drives them crazy. They can't do everything themselves, you know. Microsoft just opens up the Xbox and it's like all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's a very different kind of platform. It's a different way of doing things. It's, I think it's just fundamental to the company. And on the Apple side, not to disparage what they do, but I think their argument would probably be, look, you know, we have this one vision. We can control the quality. And I think some people like that kind of thing. It's kind of like a monoculture. Mm. Um, and then whatever. It's good, bad. You know, there are good aspects, bad aspects. But um, I, I just think the partnering thing is too fundamental to what Microsoft does. That No matter how successful this thing is, that it will never be that successful, I don't think. But even if it was, I just don't see them. Right. Saying, you know, we're going to do Windows 9 on our own. Thanks. Thanks for coming. You guys have been great. <laughs> you know, we're, now we're doing it. on. I, this is never going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've seen Microsoft sort of, uh, I guess, become more open. And to, you know, their apps are available on Android and iOS and so on now. You know, yeah. the, the old Microsoft would be, hey, you have to come to us if you want to get this stuff. Other than Office on the Mac, it was mostly, you know, like come and buy our products and then yeah. you can buy our products sort of sitting on top. And we won't necessarily, we'll work with other things, but not necessarily so well. Whereas their, their story now is much more about interoperability, yeah. isn't it? They used to more dabble more, you know. Uh, and now they seem more inclined to put some of their core platforms on other, other computing platforms. So that's interesting. So I think we're going to see Office occur on these things. You know, right, because that's one, one of their biggest pieces of business still, isn't it, I Office? I think it's literally their biggest yeah, piece of business. So so you'd pick that that's likely to land on, on, on iOS so, yeah. over the next 12 yep. months or so? Yep. Yeah, yep. okay. Yep. I would think so. Because that will, you know, in some ways, and that's going to hurt their opportunities course, around the, Windows 8 and Surface and so on. But. <laughs> and Microsoft is so huge. They can't do anything without hurting some other part of Microsoft. I mean, it's kind of a weird situation to be in, so... Uh, obviously, the people in Windows are probably powerful enough that they've tried to block this or prevent it or, or push it back for some amount of time. But um, I, the world is just going to be more heterogeneous. It just is. And this is just a realization of that. And so uh, hopefully Windows version of Office will always be better and we'll have more features and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you could look at uh, – I don't. I have no idea what their plans are. I'm, I'm speaking mm. off the top of my head completely sure. here. But you could sort of imagine a version of iOS uh, Office that would be – like the Office web app, something fairly basic maybe, uh, or whatever, um, that's fine. Well, they have made that statement before. In fact, we heard a, heard a lot from a couple of the uh, Microsoft US guys that, that were here at TechEd last year of first and best on Windows. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, we can imagine that sort of the... I don't know if first means as much as best, you know. I mean, <laughs> uh, if once Office appears on iOS, I mean, I think that's going to be a big deal for a lot of people. I, I expect that to be like the best-selling iOS ever very quickly. Um, it won't matter how long it takes, you know, but um, it should be best. Yeah, best is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's good. And anything else that sort of that that you've seen in the last week or two, a lot of announcements going on or that you're expecting over the next few weeks that are, that are going to be of interest to people? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm particularly interested in Windows Phone. I, I'd like to see that all wrapped up, and uh, I wish they would just announce the, fe- announce the features so their partners could start announcing when they're going to do stuff and where they're going to do it. Because there's still a fair bit under wraps, isn't there? It's unbelievable how quiet they are about this. Uh, I, we have a, an idea. Mary Jo Foley reported that their launch for this will be October 29th, um, which is like a day before build starts or two days before build starts, and yeah. in a different place, you know, so it's kind of a mess. But I, I wish that would just be fixed up, you know. Um, I kind of want to get the Apple stuff out of the way next week and then whatever they do with the iPad just so the rest of the world can collectively breathe again and start <laughs> releasing products, yeah. you know. Well, they've um, just got so much power, haven't they? When when Apple make an announcement, it's sort of like, you know, the uh, the the press and, and everyone uh, yeah. is, is you know, stands to attention and uh, right, takes right. the message. And, I look forward to the live blogs of the it. Apple event to be as critical as they were of the Amazon event, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but... Once all that stuff, I mean, eventually it's going to happen, you know. Mm. So um, I'm curious to see what the devices are and stuff that we get this holiday season. I'm curious about, you know, Office is going to eventually come out next to Xbox. I mean, there's all this stuff, you know. It's mm. like this constant uh, churn. I mean, this year has been so awesome, uh, you know, for people like you and I because there's so much to talk about. And there, there, there is so much competition and innovation. And, you know, we, we, we joke about the iPhone, but, you know, actually, you know, there, there's an expectation that, that Apple will have put a lot into uh into whatever they're going to release, they they're going to release, release one a, of these a, year, a really you know? competitive product. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. There's no doubt about it. Mm. And and we should never, you know, as much as I like to uh, goof around about Apple, the truth is we wouldn't be where we are today as an industry if it wasn't for what they had done. Um, you know, first with the iPod and and with iTunes, and you know, eventually the iPhone and iPad. I mean, it's it really did set things in motion, and uh, I think collectively the wider industry can do better with diversity and pricing and so forth and i think that that kind of competition is healthy period so um i'm I'm, I'm looking forward to see how this all shakes out i mean a year from now this is going to be a very different uh situation we're in you know and i'm curious to see what that looks like yeah yeah and i I think it's it's probably anyone's guess how a lot of these things are going to shake down in terms of what what products will be coming into the market what market share these various things get um so yeah i think we've got to how do we even measure these things you know yeah. You know, people are like, well, we're going to lump the iPad in with uh, computers, and that changes the numbers completely. You know, some people want to lump in smartphones now, you know. And again, Everything's they're, not, a computer, they're right? not directly comparable. I mean, I have yeah. a computer in my toaster. Are we going to conclude yeah. toaster sales? You know, like, I, I mean, at some point you have to draw the line, but I, I do think there's a case to be made for those devices in particular that yeah. they're roughly, you know, bicycles don't compete with cars exactly, but you, <laughs> you know, you may use them to get to work. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you yeah. can still compare them. Now, you've written over the years quite a few books, and you do you do a um, a Windows Secrets. You did a Windows mm-hmm. uh, uh, Seven Secrets yep. and Windows Phone uh, Secrets book. Yep. What's uh, What's next for you? Are you doing You're doing something around Windows Eight? Yeah, I, actually, Windows Eight Secrets just came out. In okay. fact, we were supposed to have it here. I, I it's probably sitting down. If we walk down to the hotel, <laughs> I can give you a copy if it's there. Okay. It's supposed to arrive this week. I don't know. Oh, about. okay, cool. Um, uh, yeah, but so uh, this fall I'm working on a Windows Phone book that I'm doing on my own, not with a publishing company. I'm doing it online. I'm doing it with uh, while interacting with uh, people who are on the site. Oh, cool. Uh, so right now it's just sort of in the research phase. I'm writing it. This, you know, some stuff about Windows Phone 8 I can't communicate publicly yet, but uh, while I'm biding my time, I, I'm going back to the public. We'll talk after yeah, the yeah, microphone's yeah. <laughs> turned off. Uh, but we have uh, public information about Windows yeah. Phone 8. And so I can at least collate that stuff, go back over those speeches, rewatch them, take, you know, take notes that I can put out in the public, let people uh, kind of provide feedback to it. And so it's, it's kind of a new experience, but a new uh, way of doing things. But um, I'm hoping just to basically put this thing out in every possible format and just give it away and, 
uh, if you want it, um, you know, an EPUB or on the uh, iPad for some reason, or if you want an, a native app on your phone, or if you just want it in Word format or PDF or whatever. I'm just going to put it out there and just see how it goes and uh, maybe use this as the basis for, assuming it goes well, you know, I can change it or not later and um, maybe do future things like that. That's great. Yeah, I'm really interested in in the media as it as it changes and we move from, you know, traditional, I guess, analog type media to, yeah. you know, new models. You know, some of those have business models associated. Some of them are, yep. uh, are more at the sort of the open source, let's just get it out there and, and, and share it end. I, I, I don't like writing something in isolation and then, you know, splashing it out and never being able to change it. It's, it is the most awful thing in the world. And for... The best two books, Windows 7 Secrets and Windows Phone Secrets, before Windows 8 Secrets, I've been talking to the publishing company. We've got to change the way we do things. We've got to change the way. You know, we, we have these meetings. Oh, yeah, yeah. They love all my ideas. And then you, this is what we resolved to do. And it's like, we're going to do it exactly the way we've always done it. Their you know, business, they, they, they don't want the business trees, model and to We're change. not going to update the book. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, Windows 7 Secrets did pretty well. Um, it did well enough that they're a little, it, they don't want to update the book because then they would have to take back books and pay back the book, you know, the. Uh, the bookstores and then right. it, like to them it's like ah, why would we mess with a good thing and it's like well maybe because it's three years out of date now uh, but they're not interested in that that's not the way they do things and so they're great people they do a good job and all that stuff but um, I just do you, do you see a positive uh, you know return from you from a business perspective of of, of self-publishing yeah so this book no because <laughs> it's going to be zero wow uh, I talked to Raphael about doing I was joking with him on uh, messenger you know um, yeah. I said listen I'm going to do this book for free you're welcome to join me I said uh, for this book you can have any percentage of it you want you can have uh, 50% of zero you could have 75% of zero you can have you, get, you, you whatever you want to do you can be part of it you know and he's like yeah thanks you know but uh, but I'm busy that weekend <laughs> yeah but you know the truth is you yeah. don't really make that much writing a book the, the time yeah. I'm writing the book which is really grueling I'm not writing on my website which does pretty well and for the amount of work that I put into a book I just don't really I don't really make almost not, nothing I mean it's mm. just kind of a waste of time so this one it's really about the process about uh, it, about learning whether this makes sense or how would I change it so if I want to turn it into something that you know, maybe people can make micro payments. I mean, I'm not going to ever put out a book like this that, you know, here's a book, give me $30. You know, that's, I'm sorry, this is not 1979 anymore. You know, that's not how people buy things. You know, there's a kind of an app model people have, are used to paying certain prices and so forth. So whatever it is in the future, it will be cheap and uh, easy to acquire. We're even seeing that with operating systems, right? I mean, we, we, yeah. we, we look at Windows 8 and the upgrades are low cost. It, you know, yep. it was the same with OS X Mountain Lion. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you know, that's exactly what that was influenced by. Yeah. Yep, same thing. Okay. You know, it's a, just a different world. And maybe when something like that is priced cheaply enough, uh, people buy, more people will buy it. And maybe it works out. You and made for, a broader audience. The truth is, like, you know, you want someone like me who's kind of engaged and I, I care about this. Like, the point is, I'll put out some book on Windows Phone 8, and then maybe Windows Phone 8 gets updated three months down the road. <laughs> just nine months down the road, it's Microsoft. But whatever, <laughs> whenever it happens, and then I can update this thing, and it's just like a live document, because yeah. I care enough about it that I want to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, The people who don't care enough that they want to do that, maybe they shouldn't be writing books anyway. You know, but why, what, are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this anyway? I don't want something that never changes, you know? That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Now, uh, as well as the books, winsupersite.com, that's, that's the main place where we find you, and yep. Windows IT Pro. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And where else do we find you? Twitter? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's my last name, at Thurot, T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T. Um, I do two podcasts. I do uh, Windows Weekly with Leo Laporte and Mary Jo Foley, and on Tuesday, I do What the Tech with Andrew Zarian on uh, 
guys from Queen's network. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, we'll uh, we'll put put some uh, some info up on the okay. uh, NZ Tech Podcast site, uh, so people can uh, track you on Twitter, and I guess that link links onto everything else as well. Yep. Um, so uh, hey, if you're interested in the great. book, it's uh, they do have um, like because I don't have enough websites. Yeah. Uh, WindowsPhoneBook.com is the. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. That's nice. It's got a nice uh, basic Squarespace uh, template on it. Now I'll eventually get around to that. That's not the important bit yet, but <laughs> you know someday I'll fix that. And that's that's available through the usual sort of Amazon sources as well as through whatever uh, oh, the book know, typical is. retail channels. Uh, so we- yeah, Windows Eight Secrets, right? Amazon. It's in yep. Kindle format and you know paper format and. I'm sure it's on Barnes and Noble. I haven't actually looked at that, but I'm sure it is. Yeah, <laughs> so. and I imagine the local retailers here in New Zealand will, uh, yeah, you know, will yeah, we'll, so. we'll, we'll get it. Although it might take a little bit longer to sure. um, uh, to land. And it's here. not a humongous book. It's only about 500 pages long. Only 500 pages. Yeah. Paul. Well, it, it's a <laughs> brand new. How did you manage to There's not a sentence in this book that was in the previous book. But yeah, the rationale for that was that the Windows 7 launch. I was uh, I spoke to a guy who said uh, we were, I was signing the book, and because the other book was five inches thick, you know, and he said, let me ask you a question. If Windows 7 is so easy to use, why is your book a thousand pages long? <laughs> you know? I was like, well, it's got a lot of screenshots. I don't know. So <laughs> is that a sign that uh, Windows 9 gets uh, yeah, 200 get, pages. Get, It'll be a pamphlet. Simpler. It might be half yeah, the yeah. size again, yeah. <laughs> right, right. It'll be like one of those health pamphlets you get at the doctor. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. Cool. Oh, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. You're a bit of a, 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 a superstar in the uh, in the world a, of a wor- world of Windows with uh, your quite, Windows I'm, Weekly podcast <laughs> and uh, and your website. You seem to be very very well known where wherever I go. Anyway, so uh, it's been been a pleasure having you as a guest on I'm the sorry, uh, NZT so long. podcast. I've, I've slept all week. Uh, uh, sorry about that. No, no problem.